Well, today is uh, Vision Sunday. I'm going to read a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 down to 15. The words are on the screen, um, but if you've got a Bible, you might want to open that up for yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And it says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will Go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Well, today is Vision Sunday part two. Last Sunday, I shared some of my sense of what this next season is going to be uh, looking like, some of the things that God are calling us to. And if you missed that talk, then do jump online and catch up. I spoke about this um, sense in which God is wanting to take us deeper as a church. Um, That in our character, in our relationships with one another, in our workplace, the work that we do, and then in our blessing to this city and the way that we impact this city, this, I believe, is going to be a period of real fruitfulness, of depth, of of, um, uh, bearing fruit in all sorts of different ways. And... Today, we are focusing on the financial aspects of the vision. On every Vision Sunday, we ask people to do three things. The first is to pray for the vision. I'm so thankful for all the ways in which you pray for everything that's going on. And um, not this Tuesday, next Tuesday, 28th at St. Richard's, we've got Kingdom Come. And we'll be joining with the congregation of St. Richard's to really pray for our vision. And I'd love everybody, if you're able to come 7.30 up at St. Richard's, it's going to be a a fantastic opportunity. Uh, Secondly, to play your part. And we want to be a church where everybody is matching the passion that you've got, the gift that you've got with a need um, in the church. So we would love everybody to be part of one of our teams. And we've got these join the adventure cards. Um, So if you uh, are interested in the teams that there are, please do come and speak to me at the end and we can connect you with the right team. And then the third thing is to give. And 
that is what we're focusing on this morning. Everything that happens at St. Matthias is because of your generous, generous financial giving. But what I wanted to do for a few minutes this morning is not so much kind of give a talk on giving, but instead just to share a few personal reflections of what is the internal dialogue in my head whenever I'm asked to give. And um, I'm not saying that this is what happens. You are probably seven times holier than me when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, But I just thought if I kind of share some of what happens in my head, it might just connect and be helpful uh, to some of you. And the first internal dialogue that goes on in my mind when I'm uh, asked to give Um, And that might be, you know, I'm watching Red Nose Day on TV or um, somebody representing a charity knocks on my door. The very first reaction is this instant sense of, oh no, (laughs) this alarm bell goes off in my mind, like this is not good for me. And um, Either I'm going to have to try and squirm my way out of this situation and to kind of justify the latent guilt that I feel, or I'm going to have to begrudgingly open my wallet just to escape from this situation. And I suppose what's going on when that reaction is going on in my mind is that giving is bad for me. Uh, Giving involves releasing some of my precious money, and that's really painful. I heard um, one of our bishops, Bishop Ruth, uh, talking about um, financial giving. And she said, whatever you do, don't let the church know when you're about to talk on giving. Otherwise, no one would come. And um, it seems like I'm not the only one who has this sort of allergic reaction to a talk on giving. But the funny thing is that all of the research shows that giving is not bad for me. It's actually really good for me. Generosity literally makes us healthy. There's been all these uh, studies. That giving triggers all the feel-good chemicals like um, endorphins, dopamine, oxytocin. And this is true across economic lines, across cultural lines. Um, One study found that generosity actually reduces blood pressure and um, as much as both medicine and exercise, which is incredible. And um, it's not just blood pressure. Generosity lowers the risk of dementia, reduces anxiety and depression and chronic pain management. Um, Professor Stephen Post of Brook University said, if you were somehow able to package this into a compound, you would be a billionaire overnight. So it turns out that Jesus is right. It really is better to give than to receive. And maybe I should see giving as, as more like going to the gym. It, it's, I, I've got to get over that pain barrier of feeling like, oh my goodness, this is awkward and this is going to hurt. 
Um, but once I get over it, then I get to reap all these benefits. I remember the first time that I decided to tithe. Tithing is where uh, Jesus talks about it in Matthew's gospel, um, where you set aside the first 10% of all of your income to give away. And for um, Christians, this is kind of like the baseline of giving. And I remember thinking, uh, I was in my, well, I was actually an intern in London, and I was earning about £7,000 a year. And so I did the maths and and um, worked out what 10% of that was and was like, oh my goodness. Um, You know, it's really expensive to live in London as a young person. And um, uh, this is, uh, I I remember hitting the go button on the standing order and thinking my life is about to end. And then I was incredibly surprised at what happened. It had this amazingly positive effect because it felt really subversive. Like money didn't have such a strong hold on me that I was literally having to put my faith in God. And also that London at the time, it wasn't a place that I was just going to come and sort of take from, that I was actually investing in, having a stake in, like putting my money into causes that I really believed in. We read Paul's words to the church in Corinth from verse 7. God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word for cheerful is hilaros, from which we get the word hilarious. Uh, Giving is supposed to be one of the most fun, energizing things that we do. That's the first internal dialogue. The second And this is especially true when I'm thinking about giving to the church, is, oh my goodness, the church needs me to step up. And I've got to say, this one is particularly powerful for me. Like, I love this church, I love the things that we're doing, the impact that we're making in the city. But when I hear that the church needs money, it's like, oh, that's, that, that feels like a burden. I, I suppose I'm going to have to do my bit towards this. And this kind of thinking can lead to a real heaviness around giving. Because, well, if I don't step up and put my hand in my pocket, well, that le- leaky roof ain't going to fix itself, will it? And, and so there's this instant sense of burden and heaviness. But then I just have to step back a moment and think about the implication of this. Because I'm basically saying that God really needs me. Really? Like the God who created the universe is short of cash. Is that really what we're saying here? But what if my giving is not about what God needs from me? I mean, ultimately, everything is God's. What if my giving is not about what God needs, but what I need? When Jesus spoke about giving, I'm going to put these words on the screen. He said said this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's saying there's basically two ways that you can live your life. You can go after possessions, but if you attach your heart to your possessions then ultimately you're going to end up constantly disappointed and cynical because all of your possessions are vulnerable to getting old, to breaking, to being stolen, and none of this stuff lasts. Or you can store up treasures in heaven. You can invest in things that are going to last. And there are two things which last. The first is your relationship with God. And the second is your relationships with other people. If you invest in these two things, love God with passion and love people on purpose. And everything that we do at St Matthias and St Richard's, it hangs on these two priorities. That's why as a church, we budget £1,500 every month just on food for the food bank. Because in doing so, we're attaching our heart to those people in our community who can't afford to feed themselves. That The food is an open hand of friendship and relationship. So I don't give because God needs me to give. I give because it's healthy for my heart. I give because my heart needs to be attached, not to things that are passing away, but to things that are going to go on into eternity. My third internal dialogue when it comes to giving, and maybe you can relate to this one, It's basically just this, well, I'm not well off. And shouldn't it be other people that do the giving? Now, every one of us is in a different uh, set of circumstances. Um, Let me tell you mine. And again, this is a bit embarrassing, but this this is the internal dialogue in my head. I say, well... We don't own a house, which is fine, because I live in this wonderful uh, church accommodation. Um, But what about retirement? We should really be sensible and saving up for retirement. And also, what if Martha and Noah want to go to university? The sensible thing to do is to save up for Martha and Noah's university. And my goodness, the cost of living crisis. You should see uh, the bills in a drafty vicarage. So I should really uh, watch Um, carefully uh, how much I give to the church. I wonder what your internal dialogue is. One of the strong assumptions that I make when thinking about giving is, I am not rich. Of course, I'm well aware of the tragic truth that there are a number of people in our community that are in real poverty. But there are also many, many people who are way better off than me. Maybe they should be the ones to give. But the truth is, 
I need to challenge this dialogue in my mind because it is simply not true. The truth is, I am actually rich. I'm not talking about the fact that we live in the sixth richest country in the world and one of the kind of wealthiest parts of that country, although that is, of course, true. The point here is actually a much deeper one. Think about uh, the Apostle Paul. He was certainly not financially rich. In fact, we know that he lived much of his life in poverty. He went through periods of time without food. And yet, Paul saw himself as rich. And he considered the Corinthians, um, of which he was writing this letter, that they were rich too, uh, which is incredible since some of them were actually slaves. But he writes this, and again, the words are on the screen there. You have been made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. What's he talking about here? You've been made rich in every way. Well, the previous chapter, and again, the words are going to be on the screen, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And Paul wrote this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. This is really critical to understanding generosity. Paul is talking about Jesus who left to the riches of heaven, to be born into poverty, to live as a homeless person, to die as a criminal. But through his poverty, I become rich. Through his coming down, I'm lifted up. And through Jesus' poverty, I get to live this life of abundance, abundant forgiveness, Abundant grace, abundant purpose, abundant joy and abundant hope. Through Jesus' poverty, I can step right into the presence of God whenever I choose and experience his love and his power multiple times a day. And Jesus, uh, Paul ends this section by saying thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Imagine receiving a gift that is so off the chart generous that you don't actually have the words to describe it. It's indescribable. And this indescribable gift that Paul refers to is Jesus. And the more you and I comprehend Jesus as the indescribable gift of our life, the more that true sacrificial generosity will just flow out from us all of the time. And it's really true that if I think of myself as poor, then I'm really going to struggle to give. It will be like Paul said, grudging and awkward. But if I truly believe that through Jesus I've been made rich in every way, then that's when my giving starts to become really generous. And 
What's at play here, honestly, if I was just talking about kind of giving to the church, that would be really boring. It's way bigger than that. What's at stake is us becoming open-handed, generous in every single part of our lives. It's the most attractive thing when you see it in other people. So today we're going to do something a little bit different in that I've not set, as we often do, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I've not set like a, a giving target as, uh, a, 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 as a gift day because the problem with a target is that um, it's kind of like the church, me, I suppose, trying to control what God might want to do. But I really like it where Paul says, Um, that you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not not reluctantly or under compulsion. And therefore, the target shouldn't be set by what I think or uh, our treasurer thinks, but instead by what God thinks. (laughs) And we're going to have an opportunity for you to um, just pray and say, all right, Lord, um, how much do you want me to give? What, what do you want me to give? And, um, and there are two ways in which we give to St. Matthias. Uh, the first way is through regular giving. And I'm so thankful for uh, many of you who tithe and, and give on that monthly basis. It just enables us to plan. And you might already be regularly giving. Um, you might this morning want to um, just ask God, do, uh, is that the right amount? Um, do you want me to increase that amount or reduce that amount? Um, uh, that's the regular giving. And then secondly, we'd love to give uh, a one-off donation. And again, that might just be something for you to pray about. Um, is there a kind of one-off donation um, that you want to give to church? So in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to give. But firstly, we're going to do something even more important than that, um, which is we're going to have an opportunity to worship. And this really is the most critical part of giving. Um, when you start to thank God for all the blessings in your life, when you start to see yourself as rich, and the only way you do that is by thanking God, starting to name all the many, many blessings in your life. And then, then our giving uh, just flows out. So should we stand together? And we're going to worship, and I'm going to ask Angus and uh, the team to come and lead us in song. And what I'd love to invite you to do during this song is just to be uh, thanking God, to be worshipping, to be bringing your thanks to God. And this might be the most important thing that you do this morning. So let's pray. Oh Lord God, we just want to take this opportunity to bring to mind There's so many things that we're thankful for. Lord God, we don't take for granted every single big and small blessing in our lives. But we want to turn those things back to you in praise. 
We thank you that every single thing we have is a gift from you. And Lord, I pray that as we worship you now, that you would receive our thanks and our praise as we just fix our focus on you. In Jesus' name.